Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. This week's interview is with Andre Zinkovic. He's the co-founder of FullFunnel.io. Now, FullFunnel help B2B tech and service-based companies generate demand and land mid-market and enterprise sales-qualified opportunities with FullFunnel account-based marketing. Listen, it's great to bring you one more interview for the Be Seen series, and Andre is a great guest to have on. George knows him well through the LinkedIn B2B marketing community, and we're stoked to have him on the show to share his extensive knowledge when it comes to all things ABM and B2B marketing. He's certainly very prominent in our community on LinkedIn, Kev, and certainly a great leader to learn from. Now, Andre came on the podcast and shared with us some of the common mistakes that he sees in B2B marketing in his experience, and also what to do to implement a more holistic and sustainable marketing approach. Now, needless to say, there's a lot of overlap with the 5Bs framework. And Andre's given a lot of great detail about what it all looks like in action, both in terms of things to avoid and things to do. All right, listeners, get your notebooks out because this is a big episode with lots of gold. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Andre. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, as you know, we rarely have guests on our show. Instead, we select a few true experts who align with our view that B2B marketing is more about people, not platforms. Today, we have Andre Zinkovic, co-founder of FullFunnel.io. 
Forefront will help B2B tech and service-based companies generate demand and land mid-market and enterprise enterprise sales qualified opportunities with full funnel account-based marketing. He and his business partner, Vladimir, are very well known in our LinkedIn circles, leading conversations and delivering a ton of value every single day. Andre, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a brilliant, interesting. Thank you so much for a kind words. Happy to be here and chatting with you. Wonderful. Andre, Kevin and I, we're huge fans of yours and Vladimir's, and we've had your earmark to come on the show for quite a while. So I'm excited that this time is finally here. Thank you. I know that a lot of people have you on their show to discuss generating demand as well as how to operationalize and scale account-based marketing, also known as ABM. Now, we definitely want to get into that, but something we're really interested in is how to bridge the gap between demand generation and ABM, as some can view them as competing strategies. So, Perhaps a good place to start this conversation is by asking Andre, first of all, what do you define as demand generation and what do you define as account-based marketing? Yeah, so that's a perfect question and I see the same conversations happening every single day. I honestly, I don't get why B2B marketers create this different camp saying, okay, this is ABM, it's a standalone strategy, this is demand generation, it's a standalone strategy, right? We have, at the end of the day, we need to do marketing, and marketing should be aligned with the buying journey, which means that it starts from creating awareness and basically attracting attention of your target accounts, of your target buyers, to activation, and finally to expanding the deal with existing customers. And this is what we call the full funnel, right? We can dive into the stages uh, later. But now coming back to your question uh, about the definitions. So for me, demand generation is basically, uh, let's keep it simple. It's creating awareness on your target market, attracting attention of your target accounts, and basically making them interested in your product so they would like to learn more, right? So when it comes to account-based marketing, the goal of account-based marketing is pretty simple. Market not to the entire target market or specific group of buyers to specific companies. Let's sell, I want to market you. I don't know, let's pretend I'm selling podcast host or whatever, and you are podcast host, right? So now you are using Samsung, and I need to somehow explain explain to you the benefits of switching to my platform, right? And I would need to dive deeply into your needs, into your goals, and understand how my product can fulfill and satisfy your needs better than your existing solutions, right? And that's the goal. Now I need to market it to you. Now, let's say it can be done only by marketing. We need to do it practically together with the sales team. So while I can use different activities to warm you up, I could, you know, I could create some kind of content to explain the different benefits for you. So starting warming up you, right, and educating. While sales might be connecting with you, building relationship, uh, listening to your podcast, right, commenting on your posts, etc., etc. So we become engaged until we validate your needs and then we present it to you. It was just like a very short uh, description, right? So if you can see, the, these are not, let's say, these are not standalone, these are not separate strategies. The goal of demand gen, if we look, let's say, at this cohesive model, right? The goal of demand gen 
is create an engagement and define and basically source account-based programs with engaged accounts. Now the question might be what are the engaged accounts? These are the companies that demonstrated like a specific interest in your pro in your product. We usually call it like they passed engagement threshold. Let's say they visited your product page, they checked your case studies, they spent 30 minutes reading these case studies on your website, they sign up for your newsletter, let's say they sign up for your product webinar, they requested a demo, whatever. I'm just giving the examples, right? It's not like definitely, it's not the rule of thumb that these are all criteria that should have happened. But just to give you an idea, when account, when a specific company passes uh, this through this engagement threshold, this company should be sourced to ABM and now ABM team picks up this specific company and starts the account research to dive deeply, right? To understand these needs and goals. And then all together we define, okay, how basically can we form up this specific company? What exactly we are going to market to this company or basically market and sell to this company, right? And how can we do it? In most cases, companies, what they want to do, they uh, they love shortcuts. They say, okay, so ABM, fine. So this company, let's say your podcast host, let's make a list of 1,000 podcast hosts and let's target them with the same display ads. Hey, you know, my product is much better than your existing solutions. Or maybe a gated ebook, I don't know, like how to get more followers for your podcast, whatever it is, right? Doesn't really matter. Whenever you download it, your contact is immediately sent to sales and sales start pitching you, right? If you left phone number, they start calling you. If you left email, they start emailing you, emailing on LinkedIn, etc. But this is not the ABM, right? I just explained that it's just completely opposite. So that's the point. To summarize everything and wrap it up, the goal of demand generation is basically creating engagement on your target market, define a pool of engaged accounts and source and uh, transfer disengaged accounts to ABM teams. Well, with that definition, they're actually very complementary. I mean, they actually go beyond that and they work in tandem. And before we dive further into how the two can work together and expand on that, I'd like to pull back a moment because you mentioned your full funnel approach. Could you please share with our listeners what your full funnel approach is? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, um, it all starts from creating awareness. Like uh, lots of teams start talking about demand gen, demand capture and sales, etc. But let's be honest, right? If a company is not aware of your product, what are the chances that they will purchase it? Uh, and we are talking again, I, um, just to make it clear, right, for your listeners, uh, we are serving companies that have high ACV. So let's say five, six figure software. So now let's pretend what are the chances that we are targeting specific companies and they will just occasionally see our display ad or text ad doesn't really matter or receive a call the mail from our SDR saying hey you know what we have this six-figure software like would you like to have a call with me and they have no clue right who we are what we do etc so what are the chances of generating sales opportunities I mean I know that some fans of uh, Wolf 
from the Wall Street movie will tell me, hey, so a good sales rep will sell it, etc. But I don't believe in sell me this pen approach, you know. So I just know that the chances of generating sales opportunities are miserable. That leads us to a full funnel approach, right? It starts from creating awareness. Next, when we create awareness, right, it's just attracting the attention. Next point is generating the demand for your product. So basically making making your target accounts curious in your product. Next step is demand capturing. In, a, in our approach, we want to see, this This is exactly where uh, we start talking about engagement threshold, right? What should have happened so we know, okay, this is an engaged account, so we need to let's say move this account to one of our ABM programs, right? Next step is activation, basically where we want to generate opportunity with this account. And most companies stop at this point, but we have two more stages. Next one is client success, and this is absolutely important. Most companies think about client success as a passive function, you know? Um, Here is live chat. Here is where you can here is a support desk. Whenever like a, cli- a client submits a support ticket, somebody answers this, right? But now I will give you a very good example why this is like a doomed approach, why companies should pay more attention to this. Let's say you are selling, I don't know, like 500k software, right, to manufacturing companies. So you sell this, uh, you sign up annual contract, you sell all these licenses, you get your invoice paid, etc. Right? But yeah, later you need to resign the contract, you need to send a new invoice. And let's pretend that during this one year, uh, company actually didn't use your product, right? Some power users left, etc. What are the chances that you will resign the contract? They are miserable again, and you are losing a huge chunk of your revenue. Now, the key point when it comes to client success, it's an appropriate onboarding. It's understanding who are the power users. You could sell to the the decision maker, right? But if the power users, if the main users of the product are not using it, you're basically, uh, you have a problem with resigning the contract in the future. It's all about also making sure that they get the value of the product as fast as possible. Quite often, I know what companies are doing, they are sending this like Amazon, you know, gift card saying, hey, would you like to review us on G2 or on Captera and you'll get this 25 bucks Starbucks or Amazon gift card. But now the question is, but what if I didn't use your product, right? Or what if I, I, I am not satisfied with your product? So how does it sound, right? So you just stimulate me to leave a bad review. And the worst case is that when they're reaching out and saying, hey, you know what, I want to record a case study with you. But the question is, hey, I didn't use your product at all or I didn't get it. And this this is like exactly the uh, lost opportunity. So my, po- my point that at this stage, you need to be proactive. You need to help clients to get to the product value as fast as possible. So you can get these recommendations, referrals, case studies, etc. Otherwise, how can can you expect that somebody will recommend your product, right? Now, 
this brings us to the last stage. Everybody talks that uh, the easiest way to expand business is to upsell and to existing customers, right? But if we didn't help our customers to get maximum value of our product, how can we expect that we can upsell something to them? So that's exactly the point. And this is where we need to have a dedicated account manager or client success manager to track the satisfaction, but at the same time, we also embed customer interviews where we learn more about the buying process, about the needs, the goals, etc. And these goals are used for the deal expansion, right? Let's say if I sell into enterprises, in most cases, they, they, they have different departments, they have different branches that are not using our product. And this is the lowest hanging fruit. If we help one department, right, get maximum out of this product, we can get these insights, we can create case study, we can record podcast episode, or we can even do like kind of mini workshop and invite other departments and upsell. It's just natural selling of the product. Hey, so this is what the value this department got, right? So this is how it might work for your team and this is the list of benefits, etc., etc. This is the cohesive full funnel approach, right? From creating awareness to expanding the deals with existing customers. Yeah, I absolutely love the full funnel approach. And listeners, um, Andre and Vladimir have actually a great diagram of what the full funnel approach is, where they basically put every different uh what can sometimes be siloed marketing area into one holistic full funnel diagram, which shows how it flows from one stage to the next. And I will definitely link to that in the show notes because I really think it helps people see how everything ties together. Andre, I've seen you write about the old ways of doing ABM and demand generation versus the new way. What are the old ways of doing this and why is it broken? We touched a couple of points of, let's say, obsolete demand generation and account-based marketing. For me, it all comes to, let's say, using the shortcuts, right? Like I, I explained, it's just you can't expect that you will, uh, I don't know, you will just set display ads, select 1,000 logos, right, and target everybody. And then when somebody clicks or downloads the ebook, then sales starts assaulting these this companies and trying to sell the product. If you want to get, like, let's say, a specific list um, of, uh, of, let's say, bad or obsolete tactics, we can quickly cover this. So the first one is don't associate ABM with just display ads. This is the promise that ABM vendors did. Hey, so purchase our expensive software, upload, you know, make a list of your target accounts and target everybody with display ads. While, you know, while if we are targeting MarTech or sales tech companies that might be active on social and different platforms, it I'm not saying that this will work properly, but at least you might have some digital touches. But if you are selling to manufacturers, if you are selling to lawyers, if you are selling to some conservative niche markets, right? What are the chances that these people will be hanging out on Spotify and LinkedIn, etc.? If you are selling to engineers, right? These people are not hanging out there. Now, the truth is, and I believe everybody will agree with me, People spend most of their days not on social, not on LinkedIn, not on Spotify, for example, but they spend it in their CRM, in their email service, right, in Slack or Microsoft Teams, uh, in Google Sheets, right, and you can't target them 
on these platforms with your display ads. That's the truth, right? And if you are selling to people who spent, let's say again, thinking about manufacturing companies just want to deliberately touch some conservative markets, this most of these people, they spend their time offline, not near the laptops. So how are you going to, to generate opportunities with display ads only? The second um, obsolete tactic that comes from this one, right, is the promise that you can do one-to-many ABM programs. I just posted yesterday about this. One-to-many is a lazy excuse of not properly executing the demand generation program. It's, it's not possible to randomly select a, a list of 1,000 clients and do account-based marketing, right? It's just, uh, you just try to target these 1,000 companies that have zero intent to buy your product with display ads and it's just the same shortcut, right? As we just spoke with you, in ABM we have several pillars, right? We have definitely ICP, we have account qualification, we need to go, we need to, um, put the list of target accounts through the list of specific qualification criteria to make sure that there is a high probability that these companies might be interested in your product. We have account research to dive deeply and understand the needs, the goals. Then we have the warm-up and the activation, right? Now the question is how many human resources, basically how big should be a team, right? To do it properly for 1,000 companies. And the most fun and the funniest fact comes if we accept the fact that we are not selling only to one person inside the target account, but we are selling to the buying committee. And if you are selling to enterprises, you will have at least four people, at least four people, right? So 1,000 accounts multiplied by four people is just 4,000 contacts. How many people you need to do ABM properly, right? So that's another obsolete tactic. Uh, next one is classic is uh, webinars that are presented as like educational event. Hey, join us and, uh, you know, learn this insights, but actually it's a product pitch. So people come and then 60 minutes they are listening about the product. Usually this is like a classic, you know, classic presentation. It all starts with like mistakes or challenges. Hey, so these are the mistakes you guys are doing and here is our beautiful product, how that magically, you know, <laughs> solves everything. So the question is, I'm always asking, guys, like if you are running this tactic, let me ask you one question, how often uh, do you like to go to the events and listen for 60 minutes while somebody is pitching you? Nobody, everybody says, no, I don't like it. I mean, why you are doing this? Why do you think that your buyers are different? The next one is again, the gated eBooks. It's just one obsolete tactic. It's just, you know, again, Lots of people, I don't want to really dive deeply here because lots of people have this converse on LinkedIn, but just to explain, there is no correlation between ebook download and buying intent. I'm always saying it's not really that hard to go to the website and book a demo call. It's not really, it's not really difficult, right? If I can download ebook, I can do the same and book a call. So that's, that's the truth. But it's just again creating the shortcuts and saying, "Hey, so he downloaded the ebook. Now sales should attack everybody." And uh, there is, I mean, there is no problem with this tactic. But the truth is that you can use these ebooks. Okay, that's fine. But then these accounts should be just 
nurture it. No pitches at all. You need to do the progressive profiling. You need to segment them. You need to learn more about their needs. You need to show to them your best content, etc. Until they will uh, hit your specific engagement threshold. Um, like probably last obsolete tactic I would like to drop here is when it comes to social, and it's ridiculous still to see this, it's almost 2023, but I still see lots of B2B companies are doing this. It's, you know, going to LinkedIn and saying, hey, we raised money, so you need to purchase our product. Hey, we went to this trade show, so look how happy we are at the pictures. Like, hey, so we had this mind-blown, you know, corporate event, so is like, didn't we provide enough reasons to purchase our product? I mean, that's that's it's all about me, 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 me. Look how good we are. Look how we are. Like, but the question is, what's the value for 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 the buyers? How this content can create demand and make anybody interested in it, right? So when it comes to obsolete, uh, like, it's just. I mean, th these are the most common things that people, uh, B2B companies uh, are doing still nowadays and I, I just gave probably too many reasons why it doesn't work. <laughs> All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. And you touched on there's just this absolute obsession with trying to do everything at scale, the ridiculous idea of trying to target a thousand accounts all at once with display ads and thinking that that's going to have some impact on someone's buying decision and uh, push them to actually buying your high value product. That's just not how people buy. Sometimes people just need to sit back and reflect and think, hey, have I ever bought something high value like that? No way. No way. Uh, going into it a little bit more, we know that demand gen marketers are there to help um, nurture that journey and really help identify intent. So what can demand gen marketers and ABM teams do together to help define intent so they're not just targeting that top thousand list of dream customers with display ads? Yeah, that's a perfect question. So I believe, you know, first of all, we can discuss quickly, um, let's say, the approaches, the demand gen approaches that you can take to create this awareness and uh basically create a pool of engaged accounts that later can be transferred to the ABM programs. And from my point of view, I would love to drop several things that uh, work really well, right? And then we can start from that point and just discuss the way how ABM teams can pick up these engaged accounts. So 
one of the best is proactive thought leadership. And it's not about just, you know, it's not about posting these press releases or corporate pictures. As I said, it's about understanding. That's why, again, it brings us to the importance of customer interviews. It's understanding what are the topics, what are the questions your buyers are genuinely interested in, right? And start talking about these points. Another another thing that you need to keep in mind that uh, it was it's not only related to your product right it's not only about answering hey I don't know how to switch from one platform to another platform or how to automate some processes in most cases you will be dealing with unformed demand which means there is no demand at all people used to do their job the way they are doing and they have no idea that this something this is something that could be done better the same like with abm companies learn from abm vendors and they are doing this and they think okay this is account based marketing right and they are not questioning and not challenges this because this approach because they simply don't know that it can be done differently right so our at this point what we need to understand is to ask ourselves the question what can attract their attention and make them curious to start questioning their existing approach, right? And if you'll answer this question, you will come up with a bunch of ideas. Obviously, you need to talk to your buyers as well to validate these ideas. Um, Proactive thought leadership, it's not only about uh, posting on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Uh, I mentioned a couple of times conservative markets, right? And it could be, you know, like a close tight work with niche associations in most cases you have this engineering associations logistics associations doesn't really matter right and you can run mini micro events and invite and target accounts right and five seven ten companies can come but it's not about the volume it's all about the quality if you can connect it and meet at one place ten target strategic accounts right that's already a success and you can educate them and this is this is where uh, such proactive such leadership comes from so the next one uh, again we can touch this is market research it's fantastic opportunity to connect with more target accounts and again if you can partner with some communities or with these associations that give you credibility, help you to spread the word about this research, and it's all about killing two birds. First of all, you can connect and invite accounts to participate in the research, and finally, you can deliver this research, so again, nurturing them with unique market insights, uh, which again leads to a new point, content co-creation, right? Market research is kind of content co-creation with your target buyers, but then you can invite them to the podcast, right? Like you're talking with me right now, you can invite your, uh, your, let's say, target decision makers or champions from your strategic accounts. You can quote them in your articles, right? If you are hosting events, you can co-host events with them. And that's, again, this, this is the lowest hanging fruit. So sometimes some companies are hesitant of doing this, right? And they start asking me a question, hey, but what's the value, etc., and why they should accept it? What's in here for them? And then I'm just rephrasing and asking back, okay, so if, if your target accounts, right, and you're reaching out cold, let's pretend, if they are not willing to, let's say, accept your invite to join your podcast or co-create the content, what are the chances that they will reply back to your cold email? where you are pitching the product. 
<laughs> everybody starts smiling, right? So this is the lowest hanging barrier to build the relationship. It's just, you know, you start from this point and boom, you meet with people, you connect and the relationship status changes. It's not just the random SDR and, uh, right, it's now like your colleague, it's person that you know and the chances that you'll be reaching out in future asking anything you'll get like replies are really high so uh next one is uh what i think that is often missed is um content uh collaboration with thought leaders everybody i, I mean some marketers know this tactic of roundup posts, right? When you reach out to like 50 thought leaders and say, say, hey, can you give me one quote? I would post this roundup. And then they expect that like some part of these influencers will post about this and promote on social, right? But in most cases, again, it's just, uh, it worked 10 years ago, it doesn't work anymore. What I'm saying, you when it comes to ABM, you can take completely different approach. Let's say you know like an innovation, a thought leader who is talking about innovation. Why not interviewing some of your customers, understanding, let's say, the challenging the challenges or the pain points when it comes to innovation if you are selling this service, let's say a product. And then pay this thought leader to come to your town, right? To co-host this micro event and invite this target accounts, right? It's for free. It could be kind of business breakfast, mini event, etc. And you can bring somebody from your company as well to give like a mixed workshop. So it's just like permissionless co-marketing, right? And then suddenly you start being associated with this thought leader. Okay, so this guy came and yeah, you might definitely, you need to pay, you need to invest, but compared to, to your standard digital ads spend, right? The results are completely different and outcomes of this event. So this, are, uh, we can talk more, but again, these are the most, uh, let's say, effective tactics that I'm seeing that's really work to connect and warm up target accounts. I love how demand generation there really helps that awareness or create some affinity for your company. And then ABM is that opportunity to further develop that relationship. Now, are there any particular tools that you use at your end to help identify who is showing some affinity from your brand, from the work that the demand gen team is doing and who might be good to target as part of an ABM pilot program? Yeah, absolutely. So if you are doing these activities, right, you'll definitely generate some engagement. Some accounts would show up, some accounts will check your website, etc. You define uh, what kind of intent you want to track. Sometimes it's enough you say, okay, if this account attended this micro event with the thought leader, that's already enough, right? In most cases, uh, you can use um, like website reveal, website traffic reveal software, right? Or, IP identification software. Um, we have a bunch of tools like Leadfeeder, Albacross, uh, Clearbit, lots of them provide this solution. So the goal of the software is basically revealing what companies visited your website and what pages did they check. So treat it as like advanced Google Analytics, right, that demonstrate which accounts visited your website. So that's, uh, that's I, I would say that uh, this would be your main tool, right, to 
uh, identify engaged accounts, and then you can set up this engagement threshold. Let's say sign up for our event, uh, visited our website twice in the past, let's say 30 days, sp uh, visited our product page, checked our case study, spent, let's say, 30 minutes reading this case study. Uh, it's just, just a very brief example of how the engagement threshold might look like. If the company passes through this engagement threshold, next point is picking up, and, and usually at this point we recommend somebody uh, from the team who would be in charge of account qualification and account research to pick up this account. And then uh, go through your qualification criteria. Okay, geographical market fits, right? Team size fits, revenue fits, then specific tech stack fits, etc. But at the same time, what is really important is to uh, also look at disqualification criteria. I know somebody talks about qualification, but rarely somebody talks about disqualification. To give you an idea, uh, what is the, the, the disqualification criteria? Uh, we need to ask ourselves a question. Uh, is there anything else that might tell us that this company is a bad fit, even if it fits our ICP, if it fits our ideal account description, even if it hits all the criteria, right? Just to give you an example uh, from our client, uh, enterprise uh, hedging software. So when we were building the list of accounts, and during the customer interviews and after launching a pilot campaign, we saw a clear pattern. If CFO of a manufacturing company, this is like, let's say, a pro definition of ICP, right? Uh, was in his cadence just the first year, so spent less than one year on his position at this company, usually they were not willing to change anything at this company. They didn't have enough power right to introduce this enterprise software and change the processes and at the same time if they spend more than five years on this position at the same company it means that they have already established the process and they are not willing to change this so our sweet spot is people who are on the on their second year right until their fifth year uh, on that specific position. So that's, that's it's not obvious, right? But this is really important because then if you start marketing this, to these companies, you are just wasting time. So uh, going through the qualification and disqualification criteria, next step is account research. This is where we need to understand uh, what are the needs, what are the goals of this account Right? And what exactly can we sell? What exactly can we promote? And how can we promote it? Right? At this point, we are collecting all the publicly available information, press releases, posts on social, interviews, whatever is available. Right? And if we have some common connections, talking to people, maybe we have a person who like worked for our client, right? And now he joined this company, so just to gather some insider information. We collect all the insights about the target account and then we start doing the same for every buying committee member. Because the buying committee members, they don't care that much about the account benefits, about the account value. They care if you can help them to do something better, to achieve their career goals, etc. So we start analyzing, we start mapping out who exactly we need. We are not selling to VP of IT. 
we sell these people might wear different titles, different roles, etc. We need to understand who exactly we are going to sell, right? And the bigger is the company that you are trying to target, the more precise you should be with with your message with where you are going, right, and whom you are going to target. So these are the most important points. When you collect these insights, when the account is qualified, next step is doing this kind of warm-up campaign and um, activation campaign. So the warm-up is, I uh, just share it with you a couple of examples, the way how you can do it, right? It's just uh, uh, different if, if it'll if I will share with you like four groups, ideally if you will do everything in parallel if you have enough resources. If no, you can just select one of the tactics. It could be content collaboration, it could be these micro events, right? It could be also social engagement and finally uh, retargeting, but only in case if like these people are active, let's say on LinkedIn, then you can set up additional retargeting with vertical case studies with some specific use cases, customer stories, etc. Ideally, if you will do this four warm-up uh, tactics in, if, you, if you run this four warm-up tactics in parallel, right? And uh, the next, the last step after hitting a specific engagement, okay, so they came to your micro-event, right? You were able, the goal is to have the human, just to make it clear, the goal is to have human interaction where we can validate the needs and the goals, where we can introduce ourselves. And when it comes to activation, we never call it pitching, right? It's not about sending your elevator pitch or whatever. It's coming up with the solutions. It's saying, for example, hi, George, it was a, like, it was a pleasure to meet with you at this event. By the way, during the conversation, you mentioned these goals with your podcast, and I sat down with my team and came up with several ideas how you can hit your goals. One, two, three, four, five practical ideas. Actually, we did the same with uh, like another podcast host, so you can check this case study here. Let me know if you have like 15 minutes to go through the list of ideas with me next week. And at the same time, what I'm going to do, because let's pretend you are the champion, right? You have your co-host, etc. And co-host, by the way, is another buying committee member, right? Maybe you have buy-in, but then you need to present it to your co-host. And this is exactly what most B2B companies ignore, that if you are talking to champion, they forget that this champion need to present it to the decision makers and to the other buying committee members, right? So our goal is to armor our champion with arguments to sell in-house our product, right? So I would bring the benefits, like in our case, we create a list of benefits for the sales team, explaining exactly, even diving deeply, explaining what can be done better. The, the worst case here is just to show the, let's say, mistake, saying, hey, your team is doing this is the bad way, this is the bad way, this is the bad way. It's just offending people. Nobody wants to accept, hey, I'm making a bunch of mistakes, right? And a random guy just externally tell me that I'm making these mistakes. No, it's just about showing, hey, this is what you can do, this is what you can do, this is what you can do, and these are the benefits that you can gain from it, right? This is the case studies. This is the budget justification. Whatever is needed, right? Prepare everything send it, have this discussion, and then you just increase the chances that you will generate a qualif 
quality opportunity, qualified opportunity with this account. So in a nutshell, just try to describe the entire process. No, that was fantastic. And you can see why when you take such a detailed approach, why you would just target a handful of accounts rather than a thousand accounts. There's no way that you could do that process properly for a thousand accounts without an enormous team. Now, this is a coordinated effort between marketing and sales. And my question to you is, at what point does the marketing role stop in the ABM process and the sales start? Uh, that's a good question and uh, probably <laughs> not everybody will like it, but I would say that marketing role never or marketing function never stops. Why? Because again, as I told you, depending on who client success will belong to, right? If it belongs to marketing function, then still marketing should be doing this, right? Or at least head of marketing should be controlling this. Uh, content marketing, content team that creates the case studies, the user, let's say the customer stories, again, usually it's a marketing function, right? So they need to, even if you have a dedicated client success team, they should work in parallel, right? At the same time, I believe it totally makes sense to also look together. Uh, obviously, when it comes to the demo calls, to the activation parts, etc., this is the sales role, right? But marketing can help with the collateral for this specific account. So preparing this, like I mentioned, this content hub, preparing the specific case studies, right? Preparing the specific arguments, budget justification, whatever is needed, right? Maybe frequently asked questions by different roles, maybe migration process document, whatever it is, it, it really depends but uh, again, it's just supporting, 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 right? Maybe at some point it makes sense. I don't know. Let's say IT team is a blocker. They are not sure that your product is secure enough or you have the integration. So marketing can generate like kind of mini webinar with your technical expert and just uh, do it for IT team of your potential customer, right? So that's why I'm saying uh, marketing role never stops. Maybe at, at this point, if you have a really long sales cycle, it makes sense Let's say you had this you had this buy-in from the champion and you know the champion is going to sell it in-house. Maybe it makes sense in case if it's possible, right? Maybe it makes sense to target other buying committee roles with specific case studies or maybe with these documents of benefits. Or if, let's say, sales team are influencers, it makes sense to show like short video clips talking to other sales reps, right? Explaining the benefits of getting uh, they got from your product etc so it never stops uh, to, to be honest i don't believe it's 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 like you know if you ask me a question in europe you know that we are huge fans of soccer right so it's like you'll ask me at what point the defender's role or forward's role will stop, right? And lots of bad teams, actually this happens at bad teams. So defenders get tackle, right? Tackle, get the ball, and then make a long pass and wait <laughs> near the gates, right? But then you shouldn't be surprised why these teams never play in European, you know, European Cups, never win the local championship, etc. So usually <laughs> the worst teams are doing this. So that probably can be a good example. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, marketers aren't going to love to hear that, but I think you're right. I think it has to be coordinated effort between the two teams. And I don't know if there's a different way to organize them, perhaps in pods, like, you know, marketers and sales work together for certain segments and go and attack them together. I don't know if that's something that you recommend to businesses. Um, I did want to touch on I mean, I know Full Funnel, you guys actually help businesses implement and operationalize these demand and ABM strategies. Now, in our experience, strategy is always much easier said than done. So what are some of the challenges of getting a business to implement the Full Funnel approach in the same way that you and Vladimir can do it for your own business? Perhaps we can restrict that to the conversation around account-based marketing. Yeah, mm, I would love to share, first of all, the most common, let's say, challenges, right? That can be to be companies to implement it. First of all, it's old-fashioned linear lead gen mindset. So when everything is, even in our case, we never work with companies when we get a new inquiry and they say, hey, can you help us to generate more leads? I'm always saying, hey, just try to find lead generation agency. Uh, I even don't want to have a discovery call with this company. So whenever I'm seeing this, Uh, if you measure everything by leads, then your company is doomed. It's just, you know, then every single activity, that's why we spoke about this obsolete tactics, because every single activity will be measured by leads. You post something on LinkedIn, hey, why we are not getting leads from this post? It was actually <laughs> ridiculous when recently in our community, uh, one guy asked me, uh, like, I listened to one of your podcast episodes, I attended the webinar, and we are thinking about launching this um Sat leadership program on LinkedIn, but I need to make a forecast. So can I ask you a question? If I will make 10 posts and I will generate, let's say, one inbound opportunity from 10 posts on LinkedIn, is it right, is it correct to say that if I will post 20 posts, I will get two inbound opportunities. <laughs> because I need to present it to my executive, will be measured that way, you see. So they don't, they never... Uh, This is one thing that you need to understand, that different campaigns have different goals. Everything should be tied to revenue, but when it comes to awareness campaigns, we already discussed this. The goal is to create a pool of engaged accounts, and you can track account engagement, connections, etc., but not the leads, right? The same with the webinars. Not all webinars are the product pitches, right? And the goal is to, people come to get education, to get to, to get educated, to get knowledge, not just to uh, <laughs> being attacked later by salespeople. So uh, th- this one is a huge problem, right? Old-fashioned linear uh, lead gen mindset that's just, let's say, and that's why uh, marketing and sales automation software is booming, right? It's just because I promise, okay, make a seven email cadence and LinkedIn emails and boom, you have this fantastic outreach system, right? But again, it doesn't work. Let's let's be honest. So another one, it's just, uh, uh, it just comes from a kind of a scalability obsession. It's all about, and scalability obsession usually correlates with two more things, with um, investors' pressure, 
let's say if they raised money and now everybody starts pressure, uh, you know, putting pressure on that company to generate more revenue. So they got money, they now need to spend it fast. And that's why this is exact moment when they start actively hiring people just to show that the things are happening and hiring agencies, right? And increasing the budgets and doing lots of things to make this you know, positive impression on investors. And the second problem is impatience. And this is huge. This is not obvious. You can't spot it on immediately, right? But impatience actually kills marketing campaigns beforehand. It's like when companies start starts doing something, doesn't really matter, like this, the sort of any kind of demand program that we have discussed, right? And a week later or two weeks later, they say, hey, it doesn't work, let's stop it. So it's just, again, because they want to measure it by leads, by revenue, etc. but you need to give some time to the program, right? It's like if you are going to gym or if you start running, right? What are the chances that you will run 50 kilometers marathon in two weeks, right? No way. Or what's the chances that you will able to, you know, to take 100 kilos on your chest in, in two weeks, no way. The same is here. So that's why the companies, they never set up leading indicators or traction signals, whatever you'll call it, doesn't really matter. For me, this is the most important one. Do target accounts engage with my content? Like, do they visit my website? Do they sign up for our events? Do they join my community? Do they, do they sign up for our newsletter? Do they connect with me on LinkedIn and reply to my messages? Do they reply to the comments? These are the positive signals, right? These are the outcomes. And this is what you should be, let's say, if we're talking about the awareness campaign right uh, but impatience actually kills everything and finally the um, last thing that I would uh, like to emphasize on is um, wearing pink glasses it's just uh, you know not being realistic about your goals not being realistic about your skill set and not being realistic about your product quality it's like hey we have the best team Right, but then you start talking with people, and you, you clearly understand they don't even have a product knowledge. Right, all they are doing is just spamming people, etc. But just because they have good relationship inside the team, nobody accepts the fact that actually the skill set is not the exact skill set we need. Right. Uh, Product obsession is like, hey, we have the best product, but then you just start doing the competitors in case if it's possible, obviously, right? You do the competitor research, you get some feedback about competitors, competitors' products, you start comparing the reviews, and then you then you check, you join the product demo, you see that the product actually losing to some competitors, and it's not the best product in the category, right? And uh, these are actually the things that are killing everything. Then you, you need to accept the fact that would be a learning curve, right? Because you would need to do completely new things. You need to change your approach. You need to train people. And the longer people were doing the stuff they are doing, the longer it will take to change their mindset and to start running new things. So these are the most common problems. Uh, if the company accepts this, right, and says, okay, we are ready to commit and we want to change the things because the way we did it in the past doesn't work anymore, 
then this company is has high chances to to grow and win. If the company says no, we just need somebody who will come, you know, and just generate some results, this company is doomed. I think he touched on something really, really important there. That it's it's not just the demographics and the firmographics of a business that's going to make you a great fit for that dream customer. The psychographics that that mindset is actually a huge, huge factor, and that's so important to take into consideration when looking at intent, because you can see that they're taking interest in the way that full funnel are presenting their marketing strategies. They've got buy into it. They're turning up to your webinars. They're listening to your podcast. So you're going to have a much more successful uh, product market fit with those particular clients when they have that buy-in. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. Now, Andre, I want to shift the conversation to you and uh, Vladimir, a little bit about the full funnel business. You guys don't just talk the talk, you know, you walk the walk for your own business. And I can see you doing everything for yourselves that you recommend that your clients do. Now, how on earth are you doing the work of a huge marketing team and spend the time actually working with the clients that you generate when it's just the two of you? <laughs> that uh, comes to one uh, probably I needed to mention this uh, when you asked the last question, right? The biggest problems I'm seeing with B2B, especially with B2B tech companies, is uh, that they think they need 50 tactics to grow their business. Let's try this tactic, let's get this tactic, let's get this tactic. But the truth is we are huge fans of 80-20 approach is finding several things that really work and double down on these things. So in our case, we we can quickly check, we can quickly review our demand gen and ABM program, right? But it's not full of different tactics. It's just I can quickly break it down. It's daily thought leadership. It's monthly webinars. Uh, it's uh, weekly newsletter. It's um, then specific ABM programs for the target accounts that in, in, it includes the social engagement, these groups, right? Content co-creation, inviting to the podcast, inviting to our summit, etc. Summit is our annual event that basically boosts the brand presence, right? Globally, and uh, live weekly podcast plus our community. So for us, that was a huge uh, step to create a platform where we can be independent on the algorithm. We know that inside our community are people who like our content, who trust us, but we make it as a side project. We don't associate it with full funnel. We called it the trenches community, right? You can (laughs) probably immediately understand why it's called trenches. Uh, And for us, it's just a fantastic place to promote the content because whenever we drop something people know that it's just high quality content they engage they help to spread the word and that's 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 pretty it we just double down on this we focus on this and 90 percent of our time is spent on these activities that's that's the true identify what works for you uh the things that help you to grow right and double down on it it's a huge advantage of just doubling down on a strategy and seeing it through. I think that's terrific. And listeners will link to the Trenches community in the show notes as well. It's a great community. Uh, I can't say I'm an active contributor in it, but I, I am in there um, stalking and there's always fantastic stuff in there. So thank you, Andre. Now, do you and Vladimir have different strengths that you bring to the business? I would say um, 
Yes, and now you can see the evolution of full funnel. So this year we started to present the live boot camps, like or cohort courses, whatever you'll call it. So this is like these boot camps are based on our consultant sprints, right? Consultant projects, uh, but it gives just an opportunity to companies, and we call it like an offer for tier two accounts, companies that can't afford working with us, right, or maybe some individuals, they have this opportunity to work with us for the four, six weeks, join the live workshops, do the things done, uh, actually working on different elements, let's say, of ABM or Dimension, uh, go to market strategy live with us, getting the feedback and making sure that the things are happening, right? And uh, Vlad has this uh, superior skills of uh, preparing everything, of making these small tasks to make sure that people actually get these things done so he's really created this educational part of our business so we decided to make it like as a new direction as a new vector for our business so for me i'm i came uh, probably as you know i came from enterprise world i spent first five years as a sales rep so had a quite good sales career and then switched to marketing so uh was an enterprise, uh, was working for enterprise companies, selling to enterprise companies. So for me, it's like, you know, swimming like a fish in the pond, being in that world, right? So for me, it's always easier to have the same, let's say, the, to talk the same language with salespeople, with marketing people, with executives, and running this, let's say, cohesive, uh, cohesive consultant projects. So maybe if we look at this perspective, this is um, uh, Vlad is more, <laughs> let's say, he he is more uh, dedicated to small details, and he can make sure that, let's say, when it comes to this educational programs, I know exactly that all templates will be prepared, all small, tiny exercises. For me, I always like to, you know, to pick up specific area and start just specific work with people not going in this in that much detail so that's problem <laughs> i think you and i are more alike and my business partner kevin he's more the vladimir he's very good with the details i'm not so good with the details same thing. <laughs> now andre i was a lawyer before I was a marketer. And to be honest, I really struggled with the idea of telling people I was a marketer. Now, perhaps there was a feeling there that society doesn't value it as much. Maybe there's not as much status. I've seen you write that being a B2B marketer is a privilege. Why do you feel privileged to be a B2B marketer? Yeah, I would uh, I would tell you that for me, it's really, a sh- it's, it's a shame to see how some companies actually uh, demolished the marketing role. So lots of companies treat marketers as sales order takers, right? And when, especially in smaller companies, it's like, hey, just make some things pretty, make the slides looking good, right? Post these pictures on social and do whatever sales is telling you to do, right? And that's a huge problem. If you by listening to this episode thoroughly, right? You see that it's just B2B marketing is like, it's completely different from just 
doing what sales are telling you to do, right? You need to create awareness. And I would say, honestly, working as a B2B marketer for a company that sells high-ticket product, right, five-six-figure uh, five, software or service, it's just a very hard job because your programs won't you usually have long sales cycles, 12 months, 18 months, etc. And everything that you start doing now won't generate immediate results, right? But they will generate results in future. But you will be always under the pressure of where are the leads, you know, every, every sales meeting, you know, sales start questioning what you are doing, starting to put, put in pressure on you and trying to involve you in these shortcuts, right? Like lead gens and do this ads, do this like product pitch and webinars, do this gated eBooks, etc. So you need to excel at not losing your dignity, you know, and just to make sure that you educate your team and you explain everything how the campaign should be done, what are the playbooks, what are the leading indicators, how this is uh, time to revenue, right? When we can expect looking at the sales pipeline velocity calculator and explaining what we are doing now will uh, actually flourish in 18 months, etc. So that's why I'm saying it's really hard, hard job. And again, if you look at full funnel, right, like we discussed, it's not like a silent function from creating awareness to expanding opportunities that's your job right so that's <laughs> and so that's why i'm saying i i i think that's uh companies if they can commit and give enough time to b2b marketing programs right they suddenly will see that marketing sourced revenue at one point will overperform sales sourced revenue right and this is when the magic happens when you are going to trade show let's say or the, co the conference and people are coming and saying hey guys i have seen you multiple times on linkedin or hey guys i have attended this micro event of this association that was fantastic so you guys quite doing like you're doing quite good job so i would like to learn more right these are the conversations they won't happen in one month or in two months but in one year in 18 months right it will happen and then the magic happens. I, I completely agree. I think that what we do as B2B marketers should go to the core of the business function. Uh, I think that we do play a very important role. And I'd like to thank you and your business partner for doing all the educational work to pull us all up to scratch and uh, make us marketers that are making a real impact on the bottom line and I think lifting the profession overall. So thank you, Andre. Thanks a lot for inviting us and thanks a lot for your kind words. Listeners, Andre and his business partner, Vladimir, drops so much practical advice every day on LinkedIn. The quality and quantity that these two pump out is incredible. We love the work that you're doing. Now, before we round out the conversation, Andre, is there anything you would like to direct our audience's attention to or anything you would like to add to the conversation? Uh, basically, if... <laughs> you like the interview you can find me on linkedin right uh, you mentioned this couple of times we have this trenches community where people can join and engage with their peers from the entire world we have really international audience from europe australia north america asia um 
if uh, you want to dive deeper in the content that we have discussed, we have our full funnel podcast and full funnel blog. It's just fullfunnel.io slash podcast or fullfunnel.io slash blog. And you can find a lot of ABM case studies, dimension case studies, etc. This would be probably the places which I recommend to visit. Wonderful listeners. Uh, links to all those resources and Andre's profile will be in the show notes. Andre, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot for having me, George. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. Well, George, that was such a great episode. And boy, did we get into the weeds. Yes, we did. I mean, that's what they're so good at, right, is they provide that overarching full funnel strategy. And then Andre and his business partner, Vladimir, they're so good at getting into the weeds and sharing what the weeds look like. Now, just some takeaways from it, Kev. Let's share our best ones. I've got one to kick us off. ABM and demand generation are both part of the same marketing brand journey. The goal of both is actually to create engagement with certain accounts that builds more and more trust over time until they become a loyal customer. Another great insight that he gave was around the problems that B2B businesses are encountering, which often center around obsessions with shortcuts and not building relationships. And importantly, not doing the due diligence before moving into ABM and sales processes. Andre also shared a lot of details around how to deliver a better approach to B2B marketing. And ABM is a great part of that full funnel approach that he and Vladimir talk about on their own podcast and regularly within their own business, fullfunnel.io. One thing that he called out was the importance of having the right mindset within a business to trust the marketing process and not just have marketing take orders from sales. That's one that we've definitely talked about before listeners. And it's great to hear his insights and thoughts along the same lines. All right, listeners, go and connect with Andre on LinkedIn and through the trenches community that he's created. And make sure you go and check out their full funnel podcast. They've got a ton of great resources. As always, Kevin and I absolutely stoked that more and more of you are joining us every Monday by listening to the podcast. If we can ask one thing, it's to please tell someone about the podcast who could use it or give us a review on whatever platform it is you listen on. We really, really appreciate it and it makes a huge difference to the show. Thanks so much, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Andre. Take care and see you next week. Thanks. Take care, listeners, and see you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.